Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. The first in Corey's Pipeline Rankings, which are the U23 rankings of, of every organization in the NHL, the top talent in and out of the NHL under under 23 years old. So we're going to start at the bottom today, Corey, and that means starting with the Boston Bruins here, uh, an organization that you know is is here for a reason. You know that they have been a, one of the organizations that has pushed the pedal to the floor as hard as any for the last uh, era, um, and now they are paying the piper, as most organizations often do. So they're at the very bottom here. They're not bereft of talent. They've, they've got some recent first-round picks, uh, Fabian Lissell, John Beecher, uh, but I think it's fair to say they don't have the one you know impact talent at the top that, that you kind of pin your future hopes on. Right. I think you kind of hope Lee Sell could be that guy. He's very talented, great skater, great skill. Had a nice regular season. It wasn't probably what you were hoping for in the dub, but his playoffs were excellent. So maybe he carries that over into, into the following year, where, wherever he plays, whether it's in pro or, or junior. But he's really talented. You know, I don't, I don't know if they would be last if John Beecher had a better season. I mean, he, he's a good player. He's a freak athlete, big, you know, so fast for a guy that size. Uh, but I think he had something like, 12 to 15 points at Michigan as, as, as a junior last season, which that was a loaded team. Not easy to make the power play units or their top two lines, but fair to say for a first round pick, he didn't provide the offense uh, you expected, even though I believe he did score a decent clip when he did turn pro. Uh, so, I mean, that's kind of the, the state of the system right now. Again, not, not a ton of picks over the last few years. The picks they've had made, they've been fine, but I haven't seen a guy truly emerge as a, as a true top flight prospect. What about a guy like Mason Laurie, who they took in the, in the second round, I believe, in 2020? Uh, you know, th- that was in the USHL. Last year, he's a freshman at Ohio State and and plays really well. And, and he's an older freshman. I get that. Yeah. He, he turned 21 midseason. 
but close yeah. to a point per game in his first college year, six four defender. I mean, what do you see the upside there as? And is this a guy who could pop and kind of be that surprise you need in the Bruins system? He's got a chance because he's big and he's and he has legit offensive skills for the National Hockey League. The skating's tough, like really tough, I think, for for the higher levels. I think that's the kind of the question with him is can he defend? I think there's going to be offense as a pro, but can he defend as a pro? Can he play it at NHL pace? But he's a good prospect. To your point, drafted as a re-entry uh, by the Bruins a couple of years ago. He's progressed quite well. He's got a real chance to help them down the line, but I'm going to need to see how he does as a pro or, or if he just completely dominates college hockey before I kind of elevate into that top tier. I guess I probably should have done an explainer on this off the top. When you do these rankings, you tier each of these prospects into you know what they project as at the NHL level someday. Those are the only three players, Lisel Beecher and Laurie, uh, who are above the has a chance tier. And the has a chance tier is certainly still prospects, but I think that kind of tells you the story. Uh, right off the top of, of where the Bruins system is at. At number 31 is the Lightning. And they're, I would say, you know, similar situation. You know, one of these teams that has obviously reaped the benefits of uh, of going all in. They've won two Stanley Cups and and they're paying the price a little bit in their farm system. Um, they do get their first pick in, in a little while that I can remember uh, is, is Isaac Howard this year. And, and he is their top prospect for you. Right. And, you know, wh- whether he stays a Lightning or not, we'll see. Nolan's foot went out the door r- rather quickly after they drafted him. Although they did keep Cal Foot around, but then they, they traded Brett Howard in and and, uh, and other high picks they've, they've made over the years. Uh, you know, Howard is their top prospect, though, uh, just because he's probably one of the only guys in the organization with legitimate offensive skills to play high in a lineup in the National Hockey League, to help a power play in the National Hockey League. Small guy, not an amazing skater, so we'll see how he does at higher levels. That's why, despite being a great junior scorer, he fell to 31st overall, but he's a talented player who has at least a solid chance to be a good NHL player. When I think about the Lightning and their talent machine, I think about the way that they've been able to turn second, third, fourth, and beyond even round picks into productive NHLers for their team. Uh, It's really hard, as we've seen through history, to sustain that kind of run. It often will happen in spurts for a team. But in this next tier of prospects for the Lightning, you got Jack Finley, Jack Thompson, Gage Guncalvis, Daniil uh, Pilenkov, Gabe Fortier, Hugo Alnefelt. Is there anyone here that you would look at and say, I wonder if this is the next guy to break through and, and make the lightning? It doesn't have to be a Sorelli-level player, point-level player, but but be a full-timer from that group. I think Jack Thompson's a guy who's kind of trending up. He had a really strong year in the OHL. He's one of the best defensemen in the CHL this season. Ends up being on Canada's U-20 team. Uh, this summer, he would have been on the December team if he didn't have COVID issues. His skating is the big issue there with him, but he's really smart player. He has a big shot. He's progressed really well after being, uh, I believe it was a third round pick in, in his draft year. Uh, so he's a guy who's kind of trending up who I, I don't know if he's going to be a guy, a regular NHL player, but I can see him playing games. And if he kind of keeps developing the way he's been developing, particularly with his skating, which Tampa has a history of, of doing well with guys with skating issues. Uh, I, I could see him being a guy who helps the team down the line. Sticking with the theme here, we're go, we'll go to number 30, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they are a team that, that I think you know in Pickering really has, to me, I, I, would, I think you've got him as the number two prospect behind Ty Smith, who they traded for. To me, though, Pickering represents something really interesting for the Penguins. This was a pick they easily could have traded. They kept the entire band together this offseason. They, they stuck, they made that pick, and now he kind of represents, to me, their top pillar of the next era, uh, and we'll see how how he develops. Uh, you know whether he's a second pair defenseman or, or or better than that. But that was a significant pick, I think, to me. Right. I mean, I think Ron Hextall's philosophy will be different than that of of Rutherford's in terms of how he tries to keep the Penguins competitive. 
but also not completely mortgaging the future at the same time. I, I obviously they're you know with the age of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, they're they're gonna keep trying to be competitive. They're gonna be aggressive, uh, but but Hextall believes in mean, having at least some young talent come in. They didn't have a, a ton of picks this year, but they had their first pick, as you mentioned, in in, in Owen Pickering. They turned John Marino into a younger defenseman in, in, in Ty Smith, who didn't have the start to his NHL career that people envisioned. You know, he, he struggled in New Jersey, particularly this season, but still a relatively young player, was a very promising junior player. I can see him maybe not be the best defender because of his size and not being that physical player, but there could be some elements to his game that could help him move the puck and, and help the Penguins' power play down the line. Obviously, they've got Chris Letang in the fold for right now, but but right now when you look down the line, it could be someday Ty Smith's job and, and it could be Owen Pickering at the other uh, end of the ice as your kind of rock on, on the penalty kill and defensively. How about Samuel Poulin, who for a long time has seemed like kind of the only gem in the Penguin system uh, going into this summer. He's He's been kicking around in that f- uh, farm system for a while now. Uh, well, yeah, only for a couple of years. This is this is his first year pro, and, and it just, you know, it went okay. I think he was around a little bit around a half point per game in the American League. He, he, he was good. It wasn't great. All the skating with him is going to be the big thing. He's big, and he has skill, and, and he can shoot the puck, and there's some playmaking in his game. Like He's a, he's a good player. Just whether those feet are going to catch up well enough uh, to, to be a helpful NHL player is the question with him, but but I still think he's going to play games and be part of the Penguins down the line. And then in goal, Joel Blomqvist, you know, I think he was a second round pick a couple seasons ago, goaltender out of Finland, I believe. Uh, is he a guy who you can see rising up and being a, maybe not a starter, but kind of that 1B level goalie better than just a pure backup? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the player. I, I don't know why Finland's under 20 team doesn't like this player and they continue either not inviting him or not playing him for, for their teams. But he was really good in Liga this year. I think he led Liga in save percentage as a, as a teenager, which which was really impressive. And I mean, he's not the biggest goalie, so I, I get it, but he's really smart, really athletic. Um, you know, I think this is a guy, probably a backup in the NHL, but, I, but given how, you know, he's looked good as a pro and um, yeah, I think he's, he's a, a solid uh, goaltender prospect. And that, that was an interesting draft where, Back in 2020, the Penguins, with a barren farm system, picked a goaltender in the second and third rounds with their with their first two picks, and they ended up trading Cali Klein to Anaheim uh, this past year. All right, on to number 29. That's the St. Louis Blues. I've kind of liked what the Blues have done in the, in the draft these last few years. They, they haven't gotten the premium position picks, and I guess that's the knock here. But you look at the top of their system, Zach Bolduc, uh, Jimmy Snuggaroo, Jake Neighbors, this is a tier of guys who could all play, you know, really nightly roles in a team's top nine, maybe not that long from now. Right. Neighbors made the team out of camp last year, was sent back to junior. I think we all believe he's going to be a blue full time this season or maybe, well, maybe not 100% sure he plays the entire season, but he's got a, a fairly good chance to be up uh, with the big club. Zachary Bolduc's probably the most interesting one, probably the most talented of the, of the three first rounders. Did not have a strong first half of the season after that maybe draft season that was somewhat underwhelming compared to what he was as a 16 year old and you weren't sure where this one was going and then he just absolutely explodes in the second half puts up huge numbers in the QMJHL when it's all said and done and when you watch this player you're you're really intrigued he's got 6-1 he's a good skater he's got really good hands he can shoot the puck at a high level he makes plays maybe not the most physical player you're ever going to see in your life maybe a little bit too perimeter at times but there's a lot of talent to work with with Zach Bolduc. And, and like I said, of the, those three first-rounders, 
him, Jimmy Snuggerud, Jake Neighbors. He's probably the one with the most upside to become a legitimate scorer in the National Hockey League. The thing with Bull Duke will be interesting is whether he's a center or a winger. He's pretty much played mostly wing in, in junior the last few years. Uh, but when I talked to Jeremy Rutherford, our St. Louis Blues writer, he thinks they're going to try him at center in the NHL or as a pro at some point. Uh, so that'll be really interesting. I'm not sure his game works as a center, but I, but I, given they don't really have centers in their system, I don't mind them at least trying the idea out. Probably easier to go, you know, back the other way. You know, if it doesn't work out, than it, than it is to transition in. So it's it's probably a fairly harmless experiment. But uh, I agree with you. Snuggerud's a guy who I thought, you know, was pretty impressive to me at the USA camp. He does not make the team. He didn't really even make the last round of cuts. But I think you were already seeing, you know, when, when you stacked him up against some of the other kids in his own draft class. I thought he held his own pretty well with with uh, you know, like a Cutter Gauthier even at that event. Yeah, I think, you know, Snuggaroon and Jake Neighbors are more what you think of when you think of St. Louis Blues players. They're, they're, they've got good skills and, and they can score, but they're hard. They, you know, they have, you know, they're, they can, they can win battles along the walls and, and around the net area. Uh, you know, I, I like Snuggaroon. I think he's going to be, you know, whether it's a second or a third line wing who, who, who can provide value at both ends along with Jake. Like, I think those are going to be really solid NHL players one day. This next group, anyone you really want to talk about out of Dylan Peterson, uh, Joel Hofer, Arseny Koromislav, uh, Nikita Alexandrov, anything for Blues fans to really key in on there? I think Blues fans are probably the most interested about where Hofer goes, just, you know, with, especially with, with Villa Husso walking out the door. They're going to need an, an, another goalie coming up at some point. Hofer, you know, his pro career had some struggles at the, at the, at the start there, but he was really good towards the end of the season in, in the playoffs, especially. He was, he was outstanding. Um, yeah, you know, he was, as people might recall, he was really good for, for Team Canada, the World Juniors a couple of years ago. Uh, and he said he's a really intriguing prospect, not like the quickest goaltender, but he's really big, really intelligent. Uh, I think this is a guy who's, you know, trending at least in a positive direction. And, and we'll see, you know, how, how it goes from next season. But I could see him playing games relatively soon and, and hopefully providing some depth for them in goal. At number 28, you've got the Calgary Flames. And I think this is such a fascinating one to discuss because of what we have seen play out for them this offseason. Uh, they lose Johnny Gaudreau. They trade Matthew Kachuk. And at first, you're wondering, are they going to have to initiate a rebuild here? They end up getting Huberto back and, and extended, which we talked about on the show recently. They get Mackenzie Wegar. They get a future first. I think it's important for them uh, to, to kind of know exactly where this is headed because you look at this system – there, there is some exciting names at the very top, Jacob Pelletier, Connor Zary, Dustin Wolf, Matthew Coronado, but I would not call it the deepest system in terms of guys who you expect to play in the NHL. They got a lot of guys who have a chance, but but only really those four that you have projected as full-timers. And I think the Flames are realistic. I think they know they've got the complementary guys coming, guys who can supplement the core guys. I, I don't think they're sitting here thinking we've got all-stars coming on the way. But that being said, I mean, there's their farm team, Stockton, was excellent this season. Uh, there was a lot of positives to talk about from the guys who played down there this year. Uh, I mean, particularly those those two guys you mentioned in Jacob Pelche and Dustin Wolf. Uh, I think with Pelche, the question for me was just always, given he wasn't the biggest guy or wasn't the fastest guy, is how he was an amazing junior player. How well would that translate to the pros? And he answered that question in a very firm way. He said, I'm going to be a really good pro, and I'm going to do that right away. He played a major role all situations for Stockton as a rookie pro. Um, you know, the, the offense looked more, even better than I thought it would be at, at that young age to go with his high compete level. You know, this guy looks like a guy who's going to help the Flames. It could help them rather soon now that they have some holes in their depth chart they might need to plug next season. And then on the other side of that with Stockton was, was Dustin Wolf. 
again, same thing. Small goalie. You know, pretty athletic. I wouldn't say he's the most elite athlete. He doesn't look like you say Soros or something like that. So you, the wonder is how is it going to go as a pro? And man, was he good as a pro. <laughs> he was. Some of those Stockton games I watched, he was unreal. Just He stole games for the Stockton Heat. Uh, it, like, he was really impressive. AHL goaltender of the year. Uh, I mean, the, the, these are, those are two guys, even though, again, they're not the biggest guys at the four or goal. I think they're, they're worth getting excited about. And guys I think are going to help uh, the Calgary Flames win hockey games. That can be one of the big success stories of, of this era, the Calgary Flames, getting him in the seventh round. He's progressing like a borderline first-round pick you would expect to at this point. Right, and and the, and when we talk about him and when we talk about, say, Devin Levi in college, when I, for example, I remember talking to scouts um, during the process about Hugo Havlet in the, in the draft, who didn't get drafted. And I was like, oh, well, look at how Dustin Wolf is doing. You know, why not just take the shot on Hugo Havlet? And some scouts would argue back, well, how many NHL games has Dustin Wolf played again? How many NHL games have Devin Levi played again? How how are they doing? Well, Mikey DiPietro looked like a look 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 like a future good NHL goalie when he was in junior, and then he got to the pros, and and life wasn't as easy anymore uh, when he was in, in the Vancouver system. Mind you, he hasn't de- developed the best way, but that's a whole other issue. So so we'll see how Dustin does in the NHL. But I agree, he is looking like he should be an NHL goalie. He looks like he might even be a good NHL goalie, but. Given his size, there is the caveats of we'll see how it goes. And then just a quick thought from you on, on Matt Coronado, the 2021 first-round pick. He goes to Harvard and I think does what you expect of a first-round pick. He was a point per game right away as a freshman. Yeah, putting out the huge numbers you expected after he just dominated junior hockey the, in, in his draft year. But when I watched him with Harvard, I thought he was a good player, particularly when I, when I watched him in the second half of the season. I was really impressed when I went to um, – the bean pod, I thought he was one of the best players there. Uh, just in general, I think he's a really effective player. Maybe not the most dynamic little guy you've ever seen, but he has got a high compete level. He skates really well. He's really skilled. He can score goals. I think this can be a very solid second or third line winger. I'm thinking more of a second in, in the National Hockey League. Uh, like I said, I think this is a good player, and I think he will have a huge year in college next year. All right. At number 27, we got the New York Islanders, and the first of a couple things. Number one, the first prospect overall who we think has a chance to be a really top-flight player, and also the first guy who is already kind of really established as an NHL player. They're both the same guy. That's Noah Dobson, uh, real top-of-the-lineup-looking defenseman, was outstanding last season ago, and I think does project to be that kind of classic top-pair Big right shot D. Yeah, and I think he had like the true classic breakout season. Those first few years when he's in the NHL, didn't get a ton of ice time, didn't get a ton of opportunity, and then this year he just pops. He, he, what it, what it was like forty points or something along those lines this season. He just playing big minutes, uh, looked excellent throughout the season. Uh, just just a really you know well rounded pro prospect. Big, mobile, can move the puck. He, I think that if, that the the defending maybe is not as high end as the offense was in the NHL, but I think the defending is going to be really good with time. You can shoot the puck. Except just a very exciting player. Beyond him, that there's a group of players, and this is something that I think the Islanders can kind of hang their hat on. Uh, Atu Ratu is a second-round pick from uh, 2021. He's developed, I think, really well and, and started to look more like the first-round pick he was expected to be. William Dufois, a late-round pick from 2020. And then you've still got uh, Oliver Wallstrom coming through the pipeline. Uh, and, and, you know, really kind of right now trying to carve that full-time spot in the NHL, and they just acquire Alexander Romanov. This gives them, I think, a, a little bit of depth be- beyond Dobson to complement, and I think that's one reason why 
you maybe expect to see the Islanders a little bit later. Uh, you always think about them as a really old team, but but I think they they come up this list a little bit. Right, and I, you know, there's there's some good and some bad in this system. The, the good are the ones you mentioned. Ratchet looks like a really strong pick point of game in the league of this season. Dufois, monster year in the queue. Big reason why St. John won the Memorial Cup, uh, and and Romanov, you know, was very good in Montreal down the stretch. Was a, you know took the 13th overall pick to get him. He's a he's he's a good hockey player. Maybe on the other end, you look at Simon Holmstrom, was a first round pick, hasn't really developed the way you hoped. Bodie Wild, second round pick, hasn't really developed the way you've hoped. But those guys are guys to get excited about. I think Ratu is looking like an NHL center. Uh, you know, I think Dufour, even with his skating, I think we'll find a way just because he's so big, skilled, and his, his shot's outstanding. Uh, so there is, there's players coming. I don't know. I think one who's going to come is going to be a true impact NHL player among this group. But can they be guys who complement the already good core in, in New York? I could see that for sure. Number 26, we got the Vegas Golden Knights. And it, this is one that's just, I think, fascinating to, to break down because for a while, Vegas had was rich in, in two specific ways. They were rich in draft picks and they were rich in prospects from their first draft cycle. They have used those prospects to bring in current NHL stars. They now have Mark Stone on the team. They have Jack Eichel on the team. There still is uh, talent here. You look at the very top, Lucas Cormier, Brendan Brisson, Ivan Morozov, Zach Dean, Daniil Chaika. These are players that they've drafted in the early rounds uh, who still kind of project to be NHL players. Uh, but they lack kind of, I think, at those crown jewels that we've seen come through this system at various points. And I wonder, you know, obviously you got them at 26. Where do you see this for Vegas? Because this is a team that's all of a sudden getting pretty old at the NHL level. And I don't know that they have even, even at 26, the farm system to make you think, Okay, they're they're just a couple good draft classes from being able to really replace these guys. Right. They've retained two first round picks in the system, Zach Dean and, and Brendan Brassano, who I who I like as players. Maybe don't get you overly excited as, as as pro prospects, but but they're good players. And Lucas Cormier was obviously excellent in the QMJHL. There are still some NHL scouts who are skeptical at his size, five foot ten ish. If that's going to work in the NHL to the to the same extent. But I do like the player a lot. I think he could potentially be a top four defenseman in the NHL just because of how strong a skater and how intelligent he is. But it, like you said, it is an interesting place that the Vegas Golden Knights are in right now because post Jack Eichel trade, they didn't make the playoffs this year. And I think many people expect that this was they had some tough luck. We expect them to be back in the playoffs next year or at least have a very good chance. But if they don't make their cup runs over the next couple of years – yeah, I think Cormier can come in and help the team. I think Brisson can come in and help the team. I think even Ivan Morozov, who just played a little bit of pro in, in Russia, could you know, over the next year or two come in and provide some depth for this organization. But I don't know if there's a core guys coming along the way that are that are going to change things fundamentally for this team. So uh, with this current group of players in the Jack Eichel era, they've got to find a way to make it work as they're already dealing with their salary cap issues when you're seeing Max Pacioretty being pushed out the door this summer. And we'll wrap up this episode at number 25 with the Florida Panthers. This is another group that has just pushed every chip into the middle. But fortunately, before they did, they were able to mine a couple of uh, pretty good picks out of the first round, starting at the very top with Anton Lindell and Spencer Knight. Right. You know, I, I'm, Anton Lindell looked so good in the NHL this season for such a, such a young player. Didn't even get much power play time, but scored a lot of offense. We talked about it on this show a lot during the season. I think he was a guy who deserved serious Calder consideration just for how well-rounded he played in the NHL this season and how he helped the Florida Panthers be a top team in the NHL. Um, it, was a, just, it looks like it can be a, you know, a really 
important part of their future for a long time. Spencer Knight was a little bit more up and down this season. Didn't first half in the NHL, he struggled, played some American League games. He's just okay. Better, much better in the second half of the NHL season. Young goalies sometimes do struggle. We talked about, you know, even Spencer Knight at the outset of the season, that expectations need to be quite reasonable for him. But I do think he'll be better going forward. I do expect him to be better next season to help Florida Panthers win games. He's a very intelligent goaltender. I, I, I see him becoming a good starting goaltender in the NHL in time. But given just how many draft picks they've moved, you need those two guys, particularly Knight, to come through and provide a valuable organization. Although I think the X factor with the Florida Panthers is going to be Grigory Denisenko. I think Knight's a somewhat of an X factor, but I think we kind of think he's going to be a good player with time. Denisenko has not been that great in the American League. I still talk to scouts who are excited about this player because they see the talent, you know, the skating, the skill, the hockey sense, the scoring ability, physicality. If he comes along, even somewhat, and even if, he, even if he's a third-line winger, which I think he could be more, but let's just say he's a third-line winger in the NHL, that's depth that this organization desperately needs, especially after trading Owen Tippett. And you can say the same probably about Mackie Samuskevich when, when you're looking at the next you know wave of the Florida Panthers. You know, they, they've kind of built this team in large part through their pro scouting and through identifying guys in other systems that weren't working out. When you think of your Carter Verhage's of the world, your Sam Bennett's of the world, they, they go and they plug them in. And eventually those guys kind of price you out. Mason Marchman, another example, who, who did leave this past offseason. I look at guys like Denisenko, Sam Muscovich as crucial to them to being able to keep a pipeline going with cheap contracts down the lineup to afford some of their stars. Right, you know, and I think teams have called them about Samuskevich. I, you know, I believe in their varying, you know, trade calls they've had over the last year when they're all in. You know, that's been players they've, they've asked about, and he's still a Florida Panther, which maybe goes to that idea that they've got to keep at least some depth in the in the organization. But we'll see whether he, you know, in their attempts to remain competitive, whether Denisenko or Samuskevich still remain Florida Panthers by this time next year. Uh, but yeah, no, those guys are, are important. And yeah, I would even think that Anthony Duclair is a guy who they did a good job identifying and, and, and getting for value on the, on the open market. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series. We'll be back tomorrow with the next group of pipeline rankings. Remember, right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Talk to you soon. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.